0: Hello, it's David here. On your podcast provider is a little button that says share. We'd love it if you press that. Maybe do it right now and give us a rating too. We're enjoying great audiences for the leader coronavirus daily, but we'd always welcome more. And get in touch too. Use the hashtag the leader podcast. Now, <laughs> from the Evening Standard in London, this is the leader coronavirus daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The Track and Trace app was a big part of the UK's coronavirus fight back. Now it's being delayed. There
1: are things that aren't quite right with it. It's going to have to be retested and delayed. So I don't know. But I, my guess is the app may well have things that need to be refined and got right before, before it's launched nationwide.
0: Richard Mays, one of the people testing it on the Isle of Wight. We speak to him about how that trial's going and... If we go back to
2: handshaking and hugging and, you know, crowded department stores and restaurants, we have just given everything the virus needs to find new bodies to grow in.
0: Immunologist Professor Aaron Bromage on why there should be no singing at schools or shouting in the office in the new coronavirus world. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the delays to the Track and Trace app launch.
3: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online
1: Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening.
0: The UK's Track & Trace app is supposed to become a major part of the country's efforts to control coronavirus. People download it and it tells them if they've come into contact with someone showing symptoms of the disease, they'll then be contacted and told to self-isolate. It's meant to be up and running around, well, now. But when asked about it by Keir Starmer at Prime Minister's Questions today, Boris Johnson said, We have a growing confidence uh, that we will have a test, track and trace operation
1: uh, that will be world-beating, and yes, it will be in place... It will be in place by June the 1st.
0: June the 1st isn't now, and growing confidence isn't a definite. Our editorial column agrees if the system's not working, it should be delayed. But something has to happen.
4: Britain fell behind many other countries in controlling deaths and infection, not because our scientific advice was less good, our researchers are as good as anywhere on the planet, but because the government machine did not get its response to the science right. It took political leadership from the likes of Matt Hancock, the health secretary, to push for a better testing system against dysfunctional official structures. But even now, test results can be slow and and we seem far behind some other countries in introducing a way of tracing and tracking people who have come into contact with infection. The app we were told could help this month is still being developed. Teams of tracers have only just been employed. It's right not to rush out an app that doesn't work well, but if ministers are listening to science and the scientists say we need a system of testing, tracking and tracing before lifting lockdown further, the pressure on government to explain why we haven't got one yet when others have will only grow
0: the app's being trialed on the Isle of Wight where around 60,000 people have downloaded it from a population of 140,000 one of them is artist richard may who joins me over zoom richard how's it working for you well it was launched
1: on the, the at the beginning of the week with healthcare professionals you know key workers and then
0: all residents got a letter through the post on Thursday, read the letter, downloaded the app. So it's quite straightforward. So you fire it up, put your details in, and then what happens? What does it look like?
1: So it's on, I can show you, it's on my phone. There it is up in the corner. You tap on it and it opens up and it gives you, gives you some advice. And it says, are you feeling well today? Uh, and if you're not, if, you, if you're feeling fine, which, which fortunately I am, you don't need to do anything. It just sits on your phone. And... It does, nothing happens. So you walk you walk around and um, it doesn't buzz, it doesn't ping, it doesn't give you an electric shock. Nothing goes on until I guess you, you, you need to be informed.
0: And so far, so good for you. So far, yeah, my fingers are crossed. What about other people that you know, have they downloaded it too? Because it needs a lot of people to work. It's about 60% of the population needs to download it. Has it got that kind of uptake?
1: Well, I I mean, because we're socially distanced, I I haven't really bumped into many, many friends and acquaintances. Of those people I have spoken to, I'd say about half of them have downloaded it. um, Some with reservations over, over privacy and some haven't, you know because of those
0: concerns those privacy concerns are what a lot of people have been talking about there have been some human rights groups who have raised worries about what governments are doing with the data not just in the uk but around the world that are going into these apps and whether third parties can get control of them how alarmed were you or how worried were you about privacy and how have those concerns been allayed for you
1: well I mean I'm not sure they have been delayed really because because we're working on the the version of the app that was that was launched and I downloaded it at the beginning so it won't have been updated really I mean my concerns are the concerns of most people that that data may may be I mean I don't the data that goes into the app is very minimal actually so they they have my phone number obviously but they don't really have very much else but my concerns would be along the lines of using using that information for something that I haven't agreed with. You know, communicating me about I don't know, do we want to leave the EU? That that kind of stuff. So it's so it's um, you know, I, I'm just not I'm not quite secure about that. But on balance, I, I think that I I would want to know if I'd been in contact with someone who had symptoms and. This might be a way of
0: doing it. Is it reassuring just to have it then, even though it's not doing anything? Is there a reassurance in a no news is good news type of way?
1: There's a little thing on the app that says it's it's working properly. So and that that's reassuring I suppose. But I mean in, in the news today it said, Well there there are things that aren't quite right with it, it's gonna to have to be retested and delayed. So I don't know, but I, my guess is the app may well have things that need to be refined and got right before, before it's launched nationwide, but they, they wouldn't know that. And, and I guess if you're going to get COVID-19, you're going to get COVID-19 to an extent, and, and the app will give you some kind of warning about that. But in turn, you know, it's a balance of risk. Is the risk of your privacy being breached greater than the risk of, of catching COVID-19? And, and I, don't, I don't know.
0: It's an interest in being part of a, a test like this and uh, do you understand why the isle of Wight was selected for it at all
1: well i mean the the island of white is it, it's it never makes news headlines normally i mean it's it's a kind of offshore offshore part of the united kingdom so it was it was a strange feeling to be asked to do something i mean i, I completely get the demographics because you know we don't come and go we're, we're pretty much a closed community at the moment so it it did make sense to ask us and you know if we can help to get it right for the rest of the the UK then probably we should do that. Uh, My phone hasn't buzzed to say that I've been in contact with anyone with symptoms so until that happens I don't know whether it works or not.
0: Next.
2: We have all the tools in our workplace or in our home in our life to deal with the threats that we deal with normally Nobody has the tools
0: for this. Immunologist Professor Erin Bromage's advice on surviving the new world. The weather's looking fine. There's a bank holiday on Monday and we're all allowed unlimited exercise in parks now. Sometimes it can feel like the new normal may not be that bad. But how much risk is still out there? Right at the beginning of this pandemic, Professor Aaron Bromage from Massachusetts University, Dartmouth, went viral, for want of a better word, with his blog post, The Risks, Know Them, Avoid Them. It was read 13 million times in a week. He's with me now to give advice on what to do as lockdown restrictions ease. And Aaron, where are the dangers now? The biggest risks in regards
2: to contracting are just more interactions with more people. Um, if we go back to handshaking and hugging and you know crowded department stores and restaurants we have just given everything the virus needs to find new bodies to grow in there seems to be this relaxation of people's anxiety in general that something magical has happened in the last few days that allows us to go back to work and do these things more safely we're in exactly the same situation, especially in the US, as we were when we locked down. We were heading up and we locked down. We've just hit that same point now and we're coming out. And so there's nothing biologically there that says we should be relaxing.
0: But isn't finding the new normal part of, I guess, accepting a risk that you might catch this infection because there is no vaccine and we can't all stay at home forever.
2: So a big part of me writing these posts have not been about fear, have not been about trying to get people to lock away. I have worked in an infectious disease lab for over 20 years I know in my lab how to protect myself. I have two young children. I've taught them since they could walk when they're crossing a road, they need to look left, look right, look left. We have all the tools in our workplace or in our home, in our life to deal with the threats that we deal with normally. Nobody has the tools for this because it's new to the vast majority of people. So my writing is about how can we understand and appreciate the risk while still getting back to a gregarious life where we're spending time with each other. And so it's just understanding the role that masks play a role in dropping transmission. Social distancing plays a role in dropping transmission. For me, the trajectory of where this goes, especially over the next three or four months, is no longer in the hands of the government. It's in the hands of us. We need to make a choice. And our choices every day need to be there to determine where this goes.
0: As well as countries like the UK, parts of the US, going back to work, there's a lot of pressure on schools to open up again and let pupils back in. Is this the right time? If you have a high disease burden
2: locally, then it's not the right time. It's not the time to be gambling with kids' lives when we just don't know enough about it. And to me, it's not just the kids. We know that there can be rare but serious problems with children with this. Where I have my worry is if we rush into this and we're putting teachers and staff into the front line of this, that's where my worry lays because not everyone is young and healthy that's in a teaching profession. In Australia, I have no concerns we've got 20 cases a day and they're isolated into a very small area. Go back, be vigilant, be cautious. But when you're starting to talk about, you know, 2000 cases a day, when you're talking about those sort of numbers that we're seeing in different countries, I think we need to pause and then make the best decisions with that data. And it will come. We have countries like Denmark, we have countries like Australia whose kids are back in school And every epidemiologist and public health person is watching those schools like a hawk to see what is going on so we can make the best decisions for our own schools, you know, come autumn, you know, come September.
0: And I would imagine that if schools go back, classes, lessons, school culture will have to be very different. You've written in your blogs about things like how singing. And the act of singing can uh, worsen your possibility for an infection rate. So that's something like a school concert at the end of the year. Real day, isn't it? If things look the way they do right now, I, I, the answer has to be yes,
2: um, for safety-wise. You know, a lot can change between now and then. For example, you know, scarlet fever, we didn't need a vaccine for. We had antibiotics and we got that under control. A good therapeutic, a good treatment could really turn around what things look like. Predicting the future is tough, but any situation that puts lots of people in a close environment with lots of noise singing, you know, talking, yelling, is probably going to have to be uh, altered
0: for a while. don't know about your house, Aaron, but there's a bit a little bit of yelling in my house. Am I more at risk here or by going outside to go to work? As
2: long as you're being reasonable in your interactions outside of the environment? you don't have to worry about your indoor environment at all. Um, So we treat our home just the way that we did. There's people yelling from upstairs and down. It's the same thing where the loud talking and the yelling becomes a problem is if you work in an industrial environment with lots of people, we're seeing the meat packing facilities, lots of talking, lots of yelling. It's a cold environment to preserve the meat. It just makes everything perfect for the transmission of disease. Call centers nightclubs you know in order to talk to your friend in a club you've got to get in close and you've got to yell we just set things up
0: so are we then aaron resigned to living in fear
2: of this virus fear of the virus is not the right thing have respect for what it can do even if it's not going to affect you personally but it does affect a lot of people so the individual decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis You know, those little things of uh, how seriously do I take it? Do I wear a mask in enclosed spaces? Do I still shake hands or do I do social distancing the way that it meant to be? Those little decisions that you make every day will have a huge effect on what happens in our community going forward. You just need to think from a community standpoint um, for everyone to solve this problem and we will.
0: And that's the Leader Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standard's live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm.